same silver lining right now. Uh, I'll tell you, a little side note here. I'm a diehard Denver Bronco fan, okay? Don't judge me. Don't hate me. I'm a, I seen your sweatshirt right away. I'm so pumped for today. I think Drew Locke is the guy. I'm just stoked for that. I told my wife at 325, she's driving because I'm going to be on my iPad. I'm going to be watching the Broncos. And don't holler at me if I'm hollering at them not playing good defense. But, man, I tell you what, the Chiefs, oh, my goodness, I'm in their backyard right now down in Missouri and they're the most obnoxious fan base. If there's any Chiefs fans in here, I'm so sorry. I pray for you every day. Man, but this Iowa game on Friday, the Iowa fans overtook Chiefs fans. It's the most obnoxious fan base. Social media was just crazy. I feel so bad for Scott Frost and the job he's got to do there, but he's doing awesome. But we, when you lose a lot, you got to find the silver lining. And at Trinity, I, I had to find that way. And, and, but that had suddenly become hard. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? And I started to feel like Lord, the Lord was shifting things. And so we resigned in 2016. We ended up moving down to, to Springfield, Missouri. Uh, step come, came underneath somebody's leadership within the Evangel football program. I was the wide receivers coach and the ministry coordinator there. And we got plugged into James River Church. At the time, James River Church was running about nine, ten thousand 10,000 people. And they had just planted their third campus. And that third campus was about five minutes from our house. And Springfield, Missouri is about 150,000 people. So to have a church five minutes from your house was pretty awesome. And we got plugged into that church plant right away. We got involved on in the worship team. I was playing guitar. My wife was singing. Uh, and I ended up having lunch with Pastor John Lindell, which was a miracle in itself because when you have a church that size, it's kind of hard to just walk up to the pastor and say, dude, you want to grab lunch, bro? Yeah, man, let's make it happen. It was so crazy how that worked. And I went to lunch with him, and I was like, man, I'm just going to be a sponge. I just want to listen to this guy. If you've never listened to John Lindell preach, he's one of the, I think he's one of the greatest articulators of the Word of God uh, in today's present preaching market. It's, it was just it's incredible. And I'm like, man, I want to sit there and just, I want to listen to this guy talk. Well, he ended up just listening to me talk. Uh, and it was kind of inadvertent, but he'd ask one question, and I'd talk. And as you know, preachers like to preach, so preachers like to talk. So I talked and kept talking and telling stories and more stories. And the next thing you know, he like puts his fist down on the table or his hand down on the table. He's like, well, I got to get back to work. Uh, and he, he left me with one question. He said, in 10 years from now, what do you see yourself doing? And I answered the question. And when, and when I got done answering the question, I'm like, why did, why did I say that? And I'm like, I totally blew that. He's never going to talk to me again. Several months went down the road, and I get a call from his son. And he said, hey, I had, you had lunch with my dad about three months ago, and uh, he says we need to hire you, so I'd like to have lunch with you. And so that lunch turned into another lunch, and the next thing you know, they're offering me a leadership position at James River Church, and I was staring for the first time in my life the potential of not being involved in football at all. And it really was like, man, what's, who am I? I mean, my identity had always been in coaching. You know, and, and, and it was kind of the way that, and, and just the sport itself. And it was so crazy how all of that stuff worked. Uh, but we, to, to kind of fast forward through this whole process, we ended up working there for about two and a half years. And just about, about a month ago, we, we resigned just sensing once again that God was stirring something. And we're in a season right now where we don't know what God's doing. We don't know where he's taking us. We don't know what's next. And the power of our words is so important. I tell that long story with, with, this, with this mindset. The way that you declare things in your life is so important because your words have power. 
And, and this morning, I want to talk about the power of declaration. I, I believe that the Bible is so specific. By the way, if you're not reading this thing every day, you need to start. This is God's instruction manual for our life. Men, so often we don't like instruction manuals. We need to like this one. We, we, uh, come on, uh, all of you in here, you, man, you went and bought a grill. I don't need that. You throw it away. I got this, my screwdriver, and my hammer for the parts that don't fit in the hole like it's supposed to. I don't need the instructions. And then two and a half hours later, the missus is over there. I told you you should have read the instructions. I always make my wife sound like that, and she doesn't sound like that at all. But uh, we don't want to ignore this instruction manual. And this word of God is full of declarative statements. And I believe this morning in this house, I believe that when you start declaring things over your life in certain situations, that God wants to bring breakthrough in your life. Incredible breakthrough, a new measure of breakthrough when you're able to declare who God is, who God says you are, and what God declares through his word, the victory that he promises us. It's so, it's so, so, so relevant. You can go all through the Bible. I, I love verses that declare who, who God is, such as 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34, that says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. That's a declarative statement. Our God is good, and his love endures forever. Forever and ever. I love that. I love that. And, and the Bible's full of it. Isaiah 41.10 declares, has a declarative statement that's, that, that states that God, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We don't have to fear because who's on our side? I love Revelations, uh, uh, Revelations 22.13 that says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. A declarative statement about who God is. He's the beginning and he's the end, which means he's everything in between too. We serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God, and the Bible is full of these things. The Bible is full of things who God declares I am. The most important thing that God declares I am is I'm a child of God. I'm his son. Across this room, this room is full of God's sons and daughters. Who's God say I am? I'm God's kid. That's, that's, that's my daddy. I'm God's kid. And when you start to think about those things, oh my goodness, it takes you to like a new level of, of I believe, intimacy with your heavenly father. When you start to get into this realm that says, I'm God's kid. I'm God's kid. You know, and as a, as a dad, as a father, man, I want to give my kids the best that I have. I pray every day that I will help, fo I will foster an impact who my kids become. You know, and, and when we talk about legacy, the most important legacy we'll leave is with our families. It's with our kids. It's not with the people that you work with or the, you know, how big of a stage I'll preach on or, or play music on or any of those types of things. It's your family. It's your family, and if you don't, if you don't have kids, if you, don't, you know, if you're single or whatever, it's still your family. It's that inner circle. Who, who are you leaving your legacy with? I want to declare victory over my family. I want to declare that my family, my kids, are champions for Christ. I want to declare that my boys grow up to be men after God's own heart, that they're God chasers, and they chase the Heavenly Father, and they have an understanding that they're God's kids. 
like they're my sons, but they're God's sons. They're God's kids. And that's so huge. And this is what this is what I believe declaring does. It puts us in a position of fighting from victory instead of for victory. As a coach, this 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 statement, I've been saying this for several years. But as I sat in my sister's I took, overtook her office for the last four days. I think she's ready for me to be out so she can have her prayer office back. But as I sat there and I contemplated this statement, putting us in a position where we're fighting from victory instead of for victory, we already have the victory. The victory's already, it's already been given to us. It's already ours. Jesus already fought that battle for us. He already went and did what we could not do. We, what, was, what was impossible for man, man, is completely possible with our heavenly father you know and i love in romans chapter 16 verse 20 and i'm reading this from the passion version the passion version is so awesome right if, if and they haven't got the whole bible translated yet they've just done the new testament and then like psalms proverbs and i uh, i think there's an i think isaiah maybe or something but uh this is from the passion the passion version romans chapter 16 verse 20 and the god of peace will swiftly pound satan to a pulp under your feet I'm going to read it again because I think this side of the room is with me. This side of the room is like, why is that guy pacing so much and why is he sweating already? It's me. I'm okay. I promise. I'm going to read it again. And the God of peace will swiftly pound Satan to a pulp under your feet. So we already have the victory. We don't have to work and hope and pray for victory. We already have it. We can pray from victory. So we can glorify our Heavenly Father knowing that the victory's already been given to us. And this is why I love the passion. In the bottom, uh, in my sister's Passion Bible that I discovered just this week, they have, uh, they have like the Aramaic and the Greek meanings of those, of those passages. Okay, and so in here, in, in this verse, the Greek word for pulp is suntribo, which means to beat someone to a jelly. Suntribo, I'm going to beat you to a jelly. Love it! So now it's not just pulp, because when I read pulp, I think like the stuff no one wants in their orange juice. All right, that stuff that makes your orange juice gross and nasty and swallow hard, you know, so you get the pulp free. Well, God's already beaten Satan to a pulp. He's whooped him to a jelly. So now you get to put him on your toast and eat it. Come on. Good, good, good stuff. It's so exciting. And, and, and this is paralleled in Psalm 60, verse 12. Um, this is also from the Passion. This states, with God's help, we will fight like heroes and we will trample down our every foe. You already have the victory. And so being able to declare that is so monumentally huge. To declare that we have victory. And I want to focus on three areas where victory and, de and declaration can be brought about. Okay, And those three areas that I think are some of the main areas where Satan will waylay us when we give him the opportunity. And I'm speaking from a position of I'm right here. All right, The number one is in, in a season of waiting. Number two is in the wonder of our identity. And number three is in worship and warfare. So let's pray. 
Father, we love you, we praise you, we worship and adore you, we exalt you as the King of kings and Lord of lords. God, I ask that this morning you would be glorified in this place. I ask, Father, that your word would go forth, it would not return void, it would bear fruit, Lord God. Jesus, we thank you that you are a good, good Father who does good, good things on the behalf of your children. We worship you and adore you, in your name we pray, amen. In seasons of waiting, this is what I believe happens when we get into seasons of waiting. I believe that God will ask you to stand still. That's really hard for me. There's this one time I had to preach. I got to preach at a graduation, and it was one of those old school pulpits that had the mic in it. I couldn't leave the pulpit. I, it was so hard. I had my hands in my pocket, and my leg was just a twitching, and my, my suit coat was filleting, and my wife was just laughing the whole time. I had to stay right there glued to that pulpit. I wanted to leave so much, but I couldn't, all right? And it was just, sometimes God says, just stand still and wait and wait. Just stand still and wait. And I believe the times when he asks us to do this the most are when life has picked up a two-by-four, and it's just waylaying you on each side of the cheek. You're going through storms. You're going through battles. You're going through tribulations. You're going through trial. And God says, wait. This is what I've discovered about the Lord. He likes to wait till the 11th hour. And as we've been going through this process, the James River was so great with our transition, and, and I remember I went to, I went to my, we came home from general counsel, and it was in the hotel at general counsel, we had some free time, and, the, and my boss sent me and the students back to, we were recruiting students at National Fine Arts, and sent us back to the hotel, we had some downtime, the students went down to the pool to swim, and I went into the room, and I just started, just started weeping at, at, in the Lord's presence, because I knew things weren't right, it, it didn't feel right anymore, and, and everything was so hard, and I'm like, man, Lord, what are you doing and I, and I just, man, I started sensing right there in that hotel room in Orlando, Florida, God releasing me from James River Church and from James River College. And so when we got back from general counsel, I went to my boss and, and his boss. We scheduled a meeting, and I told him, hey, guys, my wife and I are pretty certain that the, Lord's, the Lord is shifting us, and he's released us from James River College. I don't know if he's released us from James River Church, but I think we're done with the college. And the church was so awesome. They walked us through a period of about two months to make sure we weren't in an emotional valley. And it was really incredible. But I am the type of person that when things aren't like happening right now, I want to start to go try to make them happen. And you, you can like trample on people. You can hurt people. You can bulldoze people. You can run over people and, and inadvertently and unexpectedly hurt people that you love and that are dear to you. Just because you, I, I, I can't just stand still. And wait. And wait. And wait. You see this in the Bible in Second Chronicles. This is one of my favorite stories, passages in the Bible. And it's one of those things I remember. That, I'm going to date myself really bad. All right. But do any of you guys remember Fire by Night or Gospel Bill? Anybody in this house? Come on. Raise your hand. Don't be afraid. I, come on. You guys do? Hey, maybe I'm younger than I thought I was. Look at that. These little guys. All right. You guys remember like Flying House? And, and, and that was cartoons before cartoons were like super rad. Uh, now, you know, they look like almost real. Okay, well, they, I, I, don't, I think it was Fire by Night, and, and you had this character named Nicodemus. He was Gospel Bill's deputy, and he would always sing songs. And there'd like be music video breaks during Gospel Bill, and it'd be like Nicodemus doing, I'm in the Lord's Army now. And, but they did this one music video that involved Jehoshaphat. 
And, and so the, the story of Jehoshaphat is forever burned into my mind of watching this fire-by-night video from Gospel Bill way back in the day. I think I was probably like seven years old. Uh, my wife says she can remember things all the way back to, to she was like two. I, my memory stops at like seven. Maybe that's just the difference between guys and gals. I don't know. But uh, my kids and I, we're always busting, uh, you know, giving my, my wife a hard time thinking that she can actually remember things back till she was two. But she's certain that she can. Uh, and some of the stuff holds up. But I remember this, this video of Second Chronicles of Jehoshaphat sending the, sending the worshipers out front. You know, and to set a little stage, because I'm not going to read the whole, the whole chapter, but setting the stage, you've got these three mega armies that have come together, and they're, gonna, they're coming against the people of Judah. They're coming against King Jehoshaphat, and they're going to wipe him out. They've had enough, and they're coming. And Jehoshaphat and his armies, they have no chance, and they know it. So we, we, we pick this up on 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17, and it says, You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Okay, and so right before this, Jehoshaphat calls together the whole land of Judah. Everybody's present. The Bible says women, children, men, they're all there. And he declares a fast, and then he falls down on his knees in his face, and he starts, he starts crying out to his father. And then the Spirit of the Lord comes upon one of the men there, and he gives this word. He says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions and stand firm. Sometimes we just got to stand. God's not asking us to do anything else. Just stand. Well, how does that constitute waiting there, Mr. Coach, Pastor Dustin, whatever you got going on there? I'm going to get to that in just a second. right? But in Psalms chapter 46, which is... uh, in, in Psalm 46, verse 10, we read this part. We read this. It says, be still and know that I am God. God says, Jehoshaphat, just stand. You're, you're, you're just going to stand back and watch me work. Because this is what, this is what happens when, 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 we make these, when we make these proclamations, when we start declaring God, when we start, because this all starts with Jehoshaphat saying, God, you are our God. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You planted us here. You told us to not wipe that group of people out, so we ignored them. Jehoshaphat does that in the prayer. If you read the scripture before that, he said, we ignored these people because you told us to, and now they're coming to get us? What's up with that, dude? And I'm sure he prayed it just like that. And so Jehoshaphat, he's crying out to his father. I mean, it's like my kid coming to me, and he's saying, Dad, you're getting me in trouble because... You told me to clean the house, but you said, don't clean that part of the house because you said you would get it, but now I'm in trouble because you didn't do your job. That's what's going, that's what, that's what Jehoshaphat's doing right now. He's saying, whoa, 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 you told us not to wipe those people out, and now they're coming against us, and they're going to, they're, they're, this is really, this is a bad deal, Lord. And God says, just chill, just chill. And, and man, sometimes my wife will tell me this, Dustin, you need to just relax just chill go pray in tongues or something when I was playing football when I drop a ball (laughs) the secret to being an athlete is having a short memory if you have a long memory and you carry things in here you're not gonna be very good because you're going to remember the last mistake you made you're gonna remember the last shot you missed you're gonna remember the last spike you missed you're gonna remember the last ball that you kicked over the goal instead of into the goal 
You're going to remember those things, and you'll start to dwell on those things, and things will snowball on you quickly. And the next thing you know, your body will start to tense up, and you won't be able to perform the way you expect to perform when you're just relaxed and having a good time. And so we would have these little, we would deploy these little mechanisms that would help us to forget PMP, we call, you know, PMP, play the, you know, play the next play, uh, you know, release. Uh, so our coach would give us these wristbands that would have like these little acronyms on them like PMP or uh, R&R, stuff like that. Uh, and when you would drop a ball or you'd miss a block or whatever, you'd snap that wristband. And uh, as, I've grown, as I've grown older, uh, the Holy Ghost is my spiritual wristband. Sometimes you just got to snap yourself, you know, you just kind of take every thought captive and start speaking in tongues so that you can stand firm and just wait and let God do His thing here. You know, and Jesus does this, it does this in John chapter 11. When He gets the news, John chapter 11 verse 6, He gets the news that Lazarus is dying and, and, and you got to come quick. And what's the Bible tells us? It says Jesus waited two more days. He waited. Well, if Jesus waited, we probably need to wait too. But it's so hard. It's so hard. Well, how is, come back to this whole standing and waiting thing. What, what, how, how, is, how does that work? One of my favorite passages of scripture is Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, right? And we start talking about God's full armor. In a matter of two verses, God tells us three times to stand to stand but it's not the type of thing where all right let's stand up and get ready for church to end right it's it's one of those things where hey i've done everything i can do now i'm going to stand and let you do what you do mark batterson says this sometimes we got to work like it depends on us but pray like it depends not sometimes all the time we work like it depends upon us we pray like it depends on god you know i've done everything i can do now i'm going to stand i'm going to stand I'm going to stand in you. I love this. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. Stand firm then. And I believe that this, is, this resembles waiting for the Lord. You've done your part. You've done your part. You've put on your full armor. You put on your helmet of salvation. You put on your breastplate of righteousness. You buckled up your belt of truth. You shod your loins with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You've picked up your shield of faith and your sword of the spirit. You're standing. You're waiting. And the most important piece, and I believe this is another fundamentally important aspect of the full armor of God, praying on all occasions in the spirit. Because what's our, what's our most powerful weapon? It's our voice. We declare, we pray on all occasions. We declare, we pray. Man, I love it. And it says, it says this in verse 18, it says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and continue praying for the saints. And we stand and we wait. We stand and we wait. Praying passionately in the spirit. That's what the, the Passion Version translates that. It says, pray passionately in the spirit. I've, I've said this for a long time. If I can sit there and yell and scream at the Huskers and the Broncos, man, I better be able to yell and scream in my prayer time. That's, just, that's a personal conviction that I have. If I'm going to give something as meaningless as football that kind of emotional passion, I better be able to give that same kind of emotion and passion to my King of Kings and Lord of Lords who has eternal consequences. 
eternal consequences? Are you passionate about the things that the Father's passionate about? Let me, let me say this. This uh, give Jesus gift thing. I forget the name of it. I'm sorry. Care portal, right? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And you might not be able to sow a big gift, but Jesus says those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. And that doesn't mean you have to give a bunch of money that you don't have. And pastor did not put me up to this. This is just in my spirit. Jesus said that the woman that gave one penny gave more than anybody else in the whole place. What's, this, what, 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 what's, what's in here? What's God telling you to do? Those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. It's incredible. I, I think one of the biggest reasons why James River Church has grown into one of the biggest Assemblies of God churches, I, I believe they are the largest seated Assemblies of God church in the country. There are over 12,000 people now. And I believe one of the biggest reasons is because of their love for people. They love people. And they are always giving. Next, next weekend, they'll have their James River Christmas, and they'll give away, what, six cars? Six cars. And and I think it's so huge. Those who reap sparingly will sow sparingly. Or so, the other way, those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. And, and just, man, I just, I encourage you guys. That was an, another little side tangent there. But man, are you passionate about the things the Father's passionate about? Are you praying in the Spirit on all occasions? Because that's part of waiting. That's part of declaring your victory in your waiting. Lord, you're asking me to stand still. God, I don't know where you're going to take me. I don't know what's next, but I trust you. I know that you are good and everything you do is good. I know you work all things together for the good of those who love you. I know that you are a good God who does good things on the behalf of his children. I know that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. I know that you've made me more than a conqueror. You've made me an overcomer. I know you've made me the head and not the tail. I know, Father, that you've commanded me strong and courageous because you're giving me every place that my foot shall touch i'm going to declare those things in my season of waiting i'm going to declare those things so if god has you in that season of waiting and he's asking you to just stand still stand still but declare while you're doing it declare while you're doing it just like the song said lord though i don't see that you're working i know that you are because you're the way maker and that's who we serve number two and the wonder of our identity. And when I say wonder, I mean like, I wonder what that is. How many times do you struggle with who God says you are? Even, we were watching this movie last night called Overcomer. I don't know if you guys have seen it or not. It's Pris Priscilla Shire. She's a principal. And the guy who made Alex Kendrick, Stephen Kendrick, who made Facing the Giants and Courageous and Fireproof. All those it's a great little movie, great little flick. And it's about Alex Kendrick is a basketball coach who, has to, who is forced to coach cross country, and he's got this one little runner, all right? Uh, but you've got these things in there, and the, there's a question that's asked in that movie multiple times. Who are you? And man, when they, as soon as they started asking these questions in this movie last night, I almost started crying. I, had a, I remember I had a laugh, so I didn't cry because I was in a room with my sister and her, and her, and her boyfriend and my wife and, and, my, and my mom I'm, I ain't gonna, and my other sister. I ain't going to cry. I'm not crying. I'm laughing. That's great. Who am I? Who am I? She's crying because my wife cries all the time, and they're all crying. I'm not crying. You're crying. Man, it's dusty in here. But who are you? If someone were to walk up to you today and say, who are you? What would your answer be? Kip, who are you? Are you a teacher? Are you a dad? Are you a husband? Who are you? 
and you, you get those questions and you start and, and, and just to let that just resonate in your spirit and I struggle with this I, I stand in front of you today and I struggle with this who am I? I'm 42 years old and I'm just cutting my teeth in ministry what? who am I? I'm just going to go back to coaching who am I? I'm 42 year old and I love to play guitar 42-year-olds don't play guitar. 20-year-olds play guitar. Who am I? Who am I? This is something I struggle with all the time. I got so entrenched into what I did at Trinity Bible College as a head football coach that I ignored my responsibilities as dad. I didn't know who I was. And when you don't know who you are, and more importantly, when you don't know who God says you are, you lose the ability to declare victory in your life. You lose the ability to make those declarative statements that are full of power. Because here's the deal. When God moves through us via the Holy Spirit, that's great, but he also loves to move for us. And when we understand who we are, when we understand that we are God's children, that we are his, his, his workmanship, his craftsmanship, it's amazing. And, and we see this play out in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, back into verse 17. You will not have to fight this battle. Take your position, stand firm, see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Jumping on down to verse 22. As they begin to sing and praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. They didn't have to do anything. God moved for them. God moved for them. And we're going to come back to what happened in between there in just a second. But it's so, so incredible when you understand who you are. And I think this, is, this, is no, this isn't laid out any better than in Romans chapter 8. If, Romans chapter 8 might be one of those chapters you should read every week. Just every week, Romans chapter 8. It's, it's been called the fifth gospel, okay? It's incredible. Romans chapter 8 will stir your spirit. It'll stir your spirit, and you'll find yourself quoting those verses, and you won't even know where it came from, because God will put it in here, and it'll bubble up from down here. The Bible says, hide God's word in your heart so you won't sin against it, right? Because when it comes time, it's going to be right there, and it's going to come out. But I love this in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love them, who have been called according to his purpose, all right? And in verse 16, who are we? Who have we been called? The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We are God's children. I've already talked about this a little bit. Who are you? You're a child of God. The King of kings and Lord of lords, so that makes you royalty. Romans, Romans chapter 8 also says we're co-heirs with Christ. Let's go. Man, it's, it's so crazy. And it, man, I, I told I got into Ephesians while I was, while I was preparing for this. In, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. And this, this, man, this is just, this is mind-blowing to me. And I'm going to read this one, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it in, in the Aramaic as well. But in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Okay? In the Passion Translation, okay, the Aramaic reads that he establishes us 
as his kids. You've been established as a children of God. I almost fell right off the stage there, so I just conveniently just made it look like I was stepping down. I almost face planted right there. But I'm just going to take the liberty to just kind of walk over here. You're God's child. You're a child of the king. From the front of this room to the back of this room to the left to the right, you're a child of the king. You're a child of God. He's established you as such from the beginning of time. Your destiny was to be a child of God. Oh, my gosh. This is so exciting to me. I remember I told my sister Lisa this when I, I was reading in her Bible, and I'm like, look at this, look at this. And she was just kind of like, yeah, that's super cool, doesn't awesome. No, this is really, really cool. We are established as a child of God. Who am I? I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. You guys, this guy is nuts. I, I am, and I'm calm right now. This is my squirrel without caffeine. If you want to see the squirrel with caffeine, that's probably, I wouldn't get asked back ever, ever. So I have time to retire that one. Child of the king. So excited, so invigorating when you think about that, that we've been established to be a child of God. And, and, and as that goes into point number three, in worship and warfare, making these declarative statements, make your weapon worship a melody of declaration. Some of y'all in here, you're like me, and you can't sing a note. I married a really pretty lady who could sing really, really well, all right, because I can't. I can play, but you're probably one of those type of dudes that you'll sit there, and you'll pull up Waymaker. Oh, yeah, that's a B-flat, and yeah, he's going to this right here. So I got it, bro. I'm ready. I'll be watching that thing for like three hours trying to figure out what's his ring finger doing right there? Is he on the A string or the what? I'll be asking my wife, and she's like, that's the kind of musician that I am. I love it. You know, I work it out, and tone's important, and your tone's really, really, really good. I've already said that, but I'm just throwing that out to you again. Tone's important. If your tone's not good, just retire, all right? And please learn to tune your instrument, and you did both those things well, so good job, all right? But man, sometimes you just got to figure that stuff out, but you, you start to work through these things, and you start to understand, man, that, that God is good, and that worship is amazing. And so I want to worship him, and worship is born when you are in a constant state of awe and wonder of who God is and what God's doing for you. Are you in a state of awe and wonder of who God is? Because when you're in a constant state of awe and wonder of what God's done, hey, can I just tell y'all, I was involved before this ever existed. I, Kip, do you remember when this, we would set tents up out here and we'd have like revival meetings? You and I were the security. Man, I don't think anybody ever in a million bazillion years would be scared of you and me. But we were the security, yo, and we had these... We grab a couple of high school kids, and we had didn't we have a Hyatt boy that was like a monster? He was the real muscle. We just were like we were the holy guts. He was the he he was the muscle though, right? But as a security team, we set up an Xbox and we played Halo and Madden. That's what people do on security teams. We did a good job. We held down the fort. It was awesome. But man, this building wasn't always here. It was a miracle that God birthed in this church. And when you remember what God's done, it helps keep you in a constant state of awe and wonder. And it helps get you through those times when you don't see God moving. Man, God, why isn't this happening? I know as I've gone through this, as I've been in this season of transition, I resigned back in, I think it was October. 
middle of October or so. It's December. And I remember asking God almost every day, Lord, it would be so great if you didn't wait till the 11th hour this time. It'd be really, really awesome. Well, we're kind of getting down to the 11th hour, and here we are. But God's still good. And I remember everything that he's done for us since we've moved, since we've, been, since we've been going. The fact that I'm still with this beautiful woman is an incredible, incredible testimony to God's grace. You are surrounded every day by the goodness of the Heavenly Father. Are you declaring that? Are you declaring that in your life? Are you declaring it over your kids? Are you declaring it over your family? Are you declaring it over your workplace? That boss that you can't stand, are you declaring God's goodness over him? That job that you hate, are you declaring God's goodness over that job? That future that was prophesied over you that doesn't look like it's anywhere close, are you declaring God's victory and completion? Because my Bible says that God is faithful to complete the work that he started in you. And if you believe one word of this, you gotta believe all of it. And I choose to believe that this is the infallible word of God. This was God-breathed and God-inspired. So if my Bible says that God is faithful to complete the work that he started in me, I believe that he's going to complete the work that he started in me. Whether it's at 42, 52, 72, God's going to complete the work that he started in me. God's got a plan for your life. God's got destiny on your life. He's got destiny on this church. I remember, I was, as we drove onto the property, I remember the things that Pastor Greg would say about the relevance of this land, the importance of this, of this land on, on, on Dove Hill Road, being able to overlook the whole city of Kearney, which has become almost a hub of the state of Nebraska. The population starts at Kearney. <laughs> yeah, there ain't nothing out west of here, y'all. That's where we lived. We lived in Thetford. There were more cows outside our living room window, no joke, than there were people in the community. It's de dead serious. We were the last house in town, and there were more cows. We, we had, every night, we watched TV with the cows. They'd peer in our living room window. There were 300 head of cattle out there in that pasture. There were 225 people in the city of Thetford. I was a K-12 PE teacher, 94 students, K-12. I seen every one of them every day. What a mission field. What a mission field. And you just got to impact them with the love of Jesus. You could never say Jesus' name, but you don't have to say Jesus' name for people to see Jesus. Jesus tells us in John that they'll know you're his disciples by what? By your love. Are you walking in the goodness of the Father? Are you declaring the goodness of the Father? Are you in a constant state of awe and wonder of who Jesus Christ is? Because when you, are in, when you walk in that state, you are constantly in a state of thanksgiving. You know, we just came out of a great holiday. I love Thanksgiving. Great food, great pie. You got to go on a diet when we go home. I'll be on a, like an eight-day diet to lose all those pounds from the, my sister's apple pie and pumpkin pie and more apple pie and more pumpkin pie just to get ready for Christmas so you can do it all over again. But it's such a great holiday in regards to who God is and the thankfulness that we, that we are owed to our Heavenly Father. Can I just challenge you to start every day by thanking Jesus for what he's done for you? You know, just as you get up in the morning and you set your feet down, instead of going into the bathroom or going and getting a drink of water or 
starting your day with whatever, just go straight to your knees and just say, God, thank you. Thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you for the air that I'm breathing. If you have a, if you have a, a spouse, thank you for my husband or my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my job, even though I hate it. Thank you for it. Thank you that you're working in it. Thank you for the opportunities you're presenting me with every single day. Thank you for your blessings and your goodness. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for the cross. If you have nothing else to be thankful for, which every single one of you in here do, if you have a roof over your heads, you have clothes on your back and food on the table, you have something to be thankful for. But if for some reason you choose not to be thankful for those, you can be thankful for the cross. You can be thankful for the cross. Because what God did at Calvary was so incredible. And there was, there was no boundary to what happened there. There wasn't, a, there wasn't a, a color of your skin boundary. There wasn't a people group boundary. There wasn't a left wing or right wing, Democrat or Republican. There was no boundary. There is no boundary to the love of the Father. And that's a reason to be thankful. That's a reason to be thankful. And when you're thankful and you make declarative statements from Thanksgiving, man, it fuels the passion that God's ignited inside of you that you are who he says you are. That your identity is in Christ Jesus, not your past, not your past failures, not the things that the devil took from you, but who you are in Christ Jesus. And when you're in those seasons of waiting, you're thankful and you're declaring God's goodness and it brings blessing. It brings blessing. In conclusion, I, I, I wrap up with this that I think all of us we find ourselves in positions where man I don't know what you're doing Lord and I and I know for me personally I, 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 I can get into that funk you know I've already kind of I've already kind of talked about it man Lord what are you doing if you find yourself in that season of waiting this morning, if you find yourself in that season where I don't know who I am, I, I, you're sitting there saying that God says I'm a child of God. I, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. That doesn't resonate with me. Now, if you find yourself in, in a season where, man, you know you're supposed to worship and you know worship is your warfare, but you just can't. Man, can I, can I tell you today that God is good and that God loves you and that God wants to meet with you every morning. Pastor, this is something that, that the Lord's been wrecking me with lately. You know, I'll, 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 we'll, every night we put our kids to bed and we try to pray as a family every night before we go to bed. Sometimes it's just my wife, sometimes it's just me, but we'll grab the kids and Jace usually comes into Kason's bedroom because Kason's a little more swift at getting ready for bed and so it's ever who's ever ready for bed first we go into their room to pray. Kason's usually always the first one ready. Uh, Jace likes to take his time. Uh, he's been that way his entire life. He takes his time. He enjoys the things that are happening around him. All right, that's great. God made my kids different, uh, and I love it. They're totally different, and I never thought in a million years they'd be so different, but it's so awesome to see the way God uses both of them. But we'll go into Kason's bedroom, and we'll pray. And something that I, I, I think about all the time is, is We'll, we'll pray, it's kind of almost the same prayer every night, which I hate that. 
I don't want to be a repetitive per- that prays repetitive prayers. But we'll pray, man, God, we love you. Thank you for this day. Uh, just give us a good night. Uh, protect us. Uh, keep your hand, watch over us, protect our cars and our house, and uh, be with mommy and daddy and Jason Kaysen, and give us good sleeps, just give us good dreams, no nightmares. Um, Just be with us tomorrow when we go to school and we go to work. Why do we need to pray God be with us when God's word says he's with us always? And so uh, this is always something that's on my mind, and I'll catch myself praying it constantly, and I'll try to quickly, like, rephrase it, you know, and, and kind of pray something else. But this is the thing that, that has just been rocking me lately. God, I know you're with me always because your word says you'll never leave me nor forsake me. It says you'll be with me now and always till the end of the age. So, Lord, make me more aware of your presence. God's here right now. God, make me more aware of your presence. God, make me more aware of your presence. God, make me more aware of your presence. Stand to your feet with me tonight or this morning. Kelly, if you want to come, and I don't know if you want your whole team to come or however you want that to work, uh, just give me, some, give me some Holy Ghost music behind me here, brother. God, make us more aware of your presence. I'm going to turn this back over to Pastor Jonathan here in just a second. But before I do, man, can we just, can we just take a minute? To me, that clock's not at 12 yet, so it says we have a lot of time, but I, maybe you guys get out before noon. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not really too worried about that clock. That, when I was 15-year-old, that scared me really bad when a preacher would say that. I got football to get home to. Hurry up, Pastor. I ain't worried about that clock at all. So you can start sweating if you want. Can we just take a minute and just, man, I think it'd be awesome as, as Kelly and the team start to play something. I don't know what you got. I trust you. Whatever the Lord puts on your heart, just brew it up. As Bethel says, when the keys start, that's when the Holy Spirit hits. Uh, I'm totally joking. But man, I just want us to take a second or two to just declare God's goodness. And can we, can we close our eyes in this place and not worry about what's going on to the left or to the right? Not worry about uh, what, what, you know, whatever's happening or what we got to get to, the, the, the pot roast we got to get home to, or, or, or the errands we got to go run. Can we not worry about the football game that's on or, or the, 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 the jobs you got to get done, the snow you got to shovel, just any of that stuff? Can we just forget about all of that stuff for just a couple of minutes here? And can we just focus on the presence of God? Lord, make us more aware of your presence, Father. Your word tells us you're here. The word tells us you're with us always. Father, make us more aware of your presence, oh God. Make us more aware of your presence, Father, I pray. Lord, I just want more of you. I just want more of you, oh God. Father, we want more. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I believe there's people in this place that came in here and, and you are just whooped. You're whooped. Instead of, instead of you know, the, we read the scripture today that said that, 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 that the devil's already been beaten to a pulp, but you feel like you're the one that's been beaten to a pulp. You feel wiped out. You don't feel like you have any ounce of energy to keep doing, to keep fighting, to stand. You don't want to do any of this stuff. Can I just tell you today that God is saying, just stand in me and declare the truth that you know to be true. Because that's the deal. You know it. You know it's true. You know that God is good. You know that God is working even when you don't see it. Even when you don't 
feel it. You know God is working. You know God is working. You know God is working. So across this place, if you came in here and that's you, man, I just want you to just start declaring, declaring the opposite, declare the opposite. Sometimes we got to talk to ourselves instead of listen to ourselves because yourself, your mind and your heart will deceive you just like that, like the snap of a finger. It'll deceive you. So you got to start talking to yourself. You got to start talking truth. You got to start talking biblical, God-based truth. You got to start filling your mind with the goodness of the heavenly father. So start declaring the opposite of what you came in here feeling. Start declaring the opposite. Yeah, the devil stole something from you. We'll take it back with raising a hallelujah to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Man, your kids aren't serving the Lord. We'll start declaring that God loves them and that they're called for a purpose. Man, your finances are a wreck. We'll start declaring that the Jehovah Jireh who owns a cattle on a thousand hills is your provider. Maybe your health isn't in order today. Will you start declaring to Jehovah Rapha, your healer, that you are whole according to the master physician. Start declaring today. Start declaring today. Start declaring today. Can we do that out loud? I want you guys to just start declaring it out loud. Start declaring. Your voice is your most powerful weapon. Your voice is your most powerful weapon. Start declaring it. Start declaring it. Start declaring truth. Start declaring truth. Start declaring truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you. We adore you, oh God. We praise your name, Father. Lord, we worship and adore you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Declare it. Declare it. Sometimes that's all it needs. That's sometimes that's all that you need for a breakthrough. It's just to start declaring God's goodness, to stand in his truth, to stand firm and to wait. And while you're doing it, to just declare, 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 declare it, declare it, declare it, declare it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we love you. Father, we praise you, Jesus.
so good. So good. I think I probably need a little bit of caffeine to come up to your normal, man. So that's all right. We got to have that every once in a while. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What we're going to do in just a minute, we're going to have our prayer teams come forward. We're going to continue with with prayer and worship in here. And uh, some of you are going to need to leave, and you're you're welcome to leave. But what I do, I just want to give you a couple instructions about our uh, care portal ministry. That's, uh, that, we're, that you can be a part of today. And it's going to happen all, all um, month. But you're going to go to these tables in the back and there's going to be sheets just like this. And some of them are going to be physical needs. And you can grab that and, and write down your name on the sheet and hand it to Leslie. Or maybe there's only part of that need that you can fill. And you're going to check that off and write down your, the need and give it to Leslie. There might be a financial need. And you might say, I can do part of it, but not all. And you check that amount, and you, write, and you sign your name, and you hand it to Leslie. Everyone get the part about handing it to Leslie? All right. And she's in the back. Wave your hand. There we go. And uh, there's also be Care Portal emails that go out. If you'd like to get a Care Portal email and you don't have that, would you talk to Leslie? She's right there. Anyone get that part? All right. So this is going to happen all month long. You can get the emails. You can come to church and, and get the sheets in the back. But when I, I'm going to pray over us. I want you to continue to, to worship and pray if you'd like that. Our prayer teams will be here. And if you'd like to go and look at the, at the needs and consider the gift that you could give to Jesus this December, that's it. may that be part of your worship as well. So, Lord, all over this place, Lord, I thank you for the powerful word of declaration. Lord, we declare you are true. Lord, we live from victory instead of for victory. Lord, I, would you remind us of that, that we are already victorious. We are already victorious. We declare that right now. Lord, even in the moment where we don't feel it, we declare it. And it is because of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Let's worship. Prayer teams, you can come forward. When you need to leave,